This is Check the Program, a kitchen table podcast. A group of friends and uh, sometimes journalists getting together to talk about arts in the city of Victoria. I'm Sarah Petrescu. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. I'm Amanda Farrellow. And John Thrallfall isn't feeling well today. And I think we're all kind of like... Who isn't sick yeah, right now? Yeah, I know. It's brutal. <laughs> um, apologies. I might actually be quieter than usual today, which might not be a bad thing. Uh-oh, pressure's <laughs> on us. <laughs> so um, tonight we're going to be talking about that elusive spark at Langham. We all saw it. Uh, we're also going to be talking a little bit about innovation in theater and uh, with a focus on the spark festival coming up at the belfry i will chat a little bit about the proposed budget for the city of victoria and what that means for arts and look ahead at what's coming up yeah and before we start i'd like to acknowledge that victoria occupies the traditional territories of the lekwungen speaking and coast salish peoples including what is now known as the esquimalt and sankey's first nations as settler people, we have the privilege to live, work, and create on these lands, and much of the art we're discussing has also been created and performed here. Thanks, Melanie. So we we all went and saw that elusive spark at Langham. And, uh, you yeah. guys went opening, right? Yeah, opening, yeah. And I went on the Saturday matinee, and I think it's fair to say it was a show we were all pretty excited about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, had, it featured so many people, the who's who of theater in Victoria, so it's... It was definitely intriguing to, to see that. Um, yeah, playwright Janet Munsell, uh, whose work doesn't get performed here a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, folks like Trevor Hinton, who's a favorite. Uh, uh, Chris Mackey, who I noticed in the notes, first time at Langham. Wasn't that yeah. a surprise? I, sw- I could have sworn I'd seen him on other things. Yeah, I but. guess like in their early days, I just remember seeing him mostly at Inconu shows. Mm-hmm. So... And, of course, Casey Cassiani-Austin, who's a, a good friend of Sarah and I's, to, we'll just put that out there, and who I've always enjoyed watching perform. She's an excellent actor. So, uh, yeah, so anyone want to give the Coles notes of the plot here? The, the true story? True, fascinating, weirdo story? I could try to wrap my head around it. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a story that centers around uh, a fellow named Phineas Gage, a young man who um, has an accident that affects who he is, his personality, to totally give it away. And the play flashes back between his story and also that of uh, Dr. Helen and, um, let me just get her last name here. Harlow. Dr. Helen Harlow and um, her... Uh, her story as a um, academic and teacher and um, explorer of uh, also of how personalities change um, against the backdrop of Shakespeare and Hamlet. And so the structure is, yeah, these present times, past times, and, um, and it brings up some very interesting questions about what makes up who we are. So... Yeah, yeah. A, a very cerebral play yeah. on every level. Yeah, cerebral, <laughs> brainy. Yeah, there's a lot going on there for sure. There are brains sure. involved in yeah. that, and heads and skulls. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, there was a lot to like about the show, I thought. The script was very funny and very mm-hmm. smart. 
and had a lot going on. Um, I felt like uh, Casey's performance was excellent. Uh, Chris Mackey wasn't a uh, like main character in the show, but he always steals the show whenever he's in the show, I Absolutely, find. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and his character was I, a little bit of a foil, like kind of like a, a bit of comic relief, I found, and yeah. uh, he was really great. And Trevor Hinton as Phineas Gage was was good too and uh, I did like that you got to see him do a little bit of Hamlet as well because one of like I always love seeing Trevor do Shakespeare he's he's an excellent Shakespearean actor so that was cool to see he does like just a little tiny bit of Hamlet near the in the second act of the show and I guess he he played that role in the original production didn't he he did I don't know about the original original Mm -hmm. because I think there was some workshopping But I think the first kind of full commission piece, he definitely that was that was his role too. So it's his second time, second time getting into that character, which must be fascinating. Like as a as an actor to replay that role with a different direction and a different production must be a, a unique challenge. Yeah, I quite I especially liked uh, Trevor in the second act when he kind of mm. like his personality. When Phineas is gets a bit raunchy, he's obviously having a bit of fun with it. So. Um, I quite liked uh, Michael Romano as uh, Dr. John Harlow, too. I thought he was quite good. So Um, that being said, I felt like the production just wasn't totally there for me. I don't know how you guys felt about that. It's funny, this issue, and John brought this up, the issue of the blackouts. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not even notice it, but Mm -hmm. other people did and found that a bit jarring, these sort of breaks, because it is a longer play. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. John counted them and counted the minutes, it sounds like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but like you, I didn't really notice, or I at least wasn't distracted by that mm-hmm. element of it. And I don't know, maybe I wouldn't have been if I, John hadn't said something to me before <laughs> I went to this show, but... At first, I was kind of mad at him for, like, I'm like, why would you, like, now I'm, I'm focusing gonna count on them But then by the second half, I was just kind of like, okay, come on. Yeah. And th- there was, like, it was really, like, they went black between every single scene change. It seemed kind of uneven in that some of the scene changes had some music, some had mm. uh, the train sounds, some had, it was dead silent and just dead dark. And I didn't understand why. Like, why mm-hmm. I didn't... Why did the house lights need to be all the way down? I felt like it kind of just... That's you know, one of really... many lighting questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, Unfortunately, yeah, the lighting design wasn't... I didn't wasn't... notice it at all, but uh, just other things. I think we all... We talked about the little little things, like the, the wig that Trevor Hinton was wearing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe not yeah. quite, uh, yeah, on point. Um, and then the set, it was a little bit confusing about what their big black uh, piece was in the middle. Yeah, or palm tree looking thing, um, which it was the um, pressing iron. So, but that said, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I I loved going to see a show, especially, you know, with all these sort of classic theater companies and plays where it's a female playwright and a female director, Mercedes Batiste Benet is the Mm -hmm. director. Um, that's always a, a nice a nice thing to see. I'd like to see more of that in programming. But I just I thought the dialogue was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked the acting and the chemistry on stage. Mm-hmm. There were some really neat sort of direct directorial highlights that I liked, like when both sort of the timelines crossed paths on stage. Mm-hmm. There was one part where um, Dr. Harlow went for his watch. And yeah, to look at the time. yeah, and then his granddaughter in the present goes for the same watch. 
and little things like that are see that and that's how the second half opened Mm -hmm. and after being like irritated by the blackouts and all the Mm -hmm. scene changes that was the beginning of the second half and i was like yes this is great and then they didn't do it again and i was like why i mean i guess I, i i i get that you know um most of the characters here are playing two roles so they're gonna they're having to go backstage they're having to quick do a quick costume change so i get that it's not always possible to have everyone on the stage uh at once but i would have liked to see a little more of it and again i just didn't see why the lights needed to go all the way down between every single scene change like mm-hmm. you know and i i feel like previous recent um productions at Langham have done a great job of being creative with those transitions and having the lights up and um yeah I just you know if I could say I almost felt like the production needed a bit more time Mm -hmm. like it like they hadn't quite finished it the production like the acting was great Mm -hmm. but like that the production part of it like the lighting some of the sound Mm -hmm. the blackouts whatever the heck was going on with those project projections that like you know i felt like i only really noticed them at the very end yeah um yeah i just and yeah. some of the high drama moments right? yeah like, there's an explosion that should be yeah. like rocking you to your core and yeah. yeah without some narration by the kind of present day characters you're not totally following along where that that could have been this it or should have really been this huge moment so i agree yeah but and i agree with with them you too Sarah about the direction from like the acting direction incredible and mm-hmm. and but some of that visual presentation and almost kind of cinematography on stage I had really high expectations not only based on what Lanham has been doing amazingly for um, the whole season now, but also Mercedes' previous work. Mm-hmm. I don't know if either of you guys saw Fado at the Fringe No, but you year. loved it, right? Yeah, you just... And, and yeah. it's funny, it has the opposite problem. That that play, Fado, not a great script, but this incredible visual presentation. I mean, Mercedes has a background as a cinematographer, and there were all uh, this amazing um, primary color wash lighting, and the the set design like transported you into a photo mm. den in Lisbon. Like it, it was all of those. It was kind of the opposite in the sense that it was every little detail about the production was so polished and incredible in photo, and, and Mercedes brings that lens to it typically where even working with it's not a great script and not as high caliber of a cast. And mm-hmm. then, then we've got a bit of a swap here. Yeah, and there was that also the another great direction uh, choice was the, the bathroom scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it was really funny. <laughs> yeah. So there, this play funny was funnier moments. than I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. was really hilarious in some parts. It was, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I had really high expectations, and I think that uh, it's not a bad show, but I just, my expectations were like through. I would earth. recommend anyone go see yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. By a local playwright. Yeah. Lots of great talent. Very entertaining. Um, yeah. It's an excellent script. And yeah. The, don't count the blackouts. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just try not to think about them. So um, that's That Elusive Spark. And it runs until the March the 16th. So you've got another chance to see it. And uh, speaking of Mercedes... Melanie, you had a chat with her because she's got some more stuff coming up too. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she's um, presenting as part of Spark and so kind of leading into the Belfry Spark Festival, which is now in its 10th year and it kind of rings its spring in in our city every year with presentations of typically really inventive and 
and medium pushing new work from across the country. And that kicks off this week on uh, in March 8th and, and runs for most of March with different shows each week. Um, so some of that new work is actually created in our own backyard. And so I wanted to speak with a few of the Victoria-based artists who are presenting work at Spark this year to get their takes specifically on how innovation has played a role in both their careers and the work that they're presenting in town right now. So yeah, Amanda, as you mentioned, Mercedes Batiste Benet, she's the artistic director of Puente, as well as a ton of other a ton of other roles. She wears a million hats, including the, the director of that elusive spark right now. And she's presenting World Play, which is a mini festival of staged readings. It's been um, part of uh, Belfie's presentation every year. It's never been part of Spark, though. So it's now incorporated oh, in the festival. Interesting. So before focusing her lens primarily in theater, she was actually working mostly as a cinematographer and a film editor until a back injury took her off set and put her behind her desk as a playwright. Um, so having said that, she's always worked and studied film and in tandem with theater and so she brings those two disciplines together as much as she can in her present work including as the director again behind that elusive spark i think theater needs to innovate itself especially now in the era of netflix and movies and the people are used to consuming so much imagery and everybody is a film director we all kind of experience life that way now we're all so well versed in images so to not take advantage of that or to not use that to your own in your own arsenal to tell the story because that's the language people have now theater has to become faster as well in in many respects this play is quite episodic um, there are so many things happening there there's also two time periods present day and, and 1848 so and we go back and forth back and forth back and forth and there are very very short scenes like moments really you know so in a sense it's almost like a film that you have to go back and forth back and forth but it also needs to all feel like a whole and a play and you're in one space you're here which is theater you know so it's combining that with that language but also making sure it fits and so i also spoke with mike delamont who's bringing Mama's Boy back to Victoria for the first time since he workshopped it here in 2015. And we talked a little bit about it last show and, mm -hmm. and how it's a really distinct shift in tone and content for Mike, who's truly made a international name for himself, mostly as God, like a very brash <laughs> and subversive and irreverent Scottish drag queen alter ego. So this is a shift. <laughs> And it's a, it's a very personal story of Mike growing up with a single mom who struggled with alcohol, alcoholism, and he recognizes that that's, that's a different place to bring his audience to. It's not a linear show. It jumps around quite a bit. And I wanted the audience to not be aware of if the next scene was going to be incredibly funny or just heartbreakingly raw. So I wanted to keep people on their toes a lot. So it is a, a it's certainly, I don't think it's a boring show. There's moments in the show that I want to cry, but I can't because I know that if I cry, I can't do the next two scenes because I have to sing in the next scene or I have to do, you know, and so it's, there's a manipulation of your own emotion to pull back a bit and, and do it properly, which has been a, a very fascinating uh, acting exercise <laughs> sure. out of pure necessity. But uh, yeah, that was, uh, that was something I didn't quite anticipate. Yeah, it's an intense show. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's really powerful, but yeah, intense. I can't imagine yeah being on stage and doing such a personal piece like that. So mm -hmm. 
anyway, so exactly. He didn't anticipate the, that how the drama would be hard for him to carry off as a performer because, of course, his comfort zone, as we know, is comedy. And so after he workshopped the show uh, here and in a few other cities in Canada, he actually brought in Dirk Van Stralen, who's the director of Jake's Gift, for mm-hmm. anyone who's seen that, and weeped. Mm. and weeped and weeped uh, through the last part of Jake's Gift. And it's for that reason that that show pulls on every one of Mike's heartstrings too. So he brought in Dirk um, to help him be okay with the dramatic moments of this piece. What I discovered doing the show is that my instincts are comedic. So when there's no laughter, it sounds like failure. So when I'm doing something dramatic and it's so quiet in the audience, it feels like they're not connected and they're not having a good time. So I had to bring somebody else in to make sure that that wasn't the case, because that's exactly how it felt and feels every time. I, it makes me feel like I should pick up the pace, so I needed somebody to say, no, you're fine. Um, Mercedes plays a big role helping other local artists explore different nuances in their work, too. Uh, as a Mexican-Canadian, she works as a cultural advisor on productions that are trying to be innovative in terms of how they present well-known work, like, for example, CCPA's upcoming production of West Side Story. She's a cultural advisor there. Oh, cool. I mean, I'm an immigrant to Canada, so I, I very much understand that experience because I live it every day. Uh, and, and, I, and I love sharing my... my my experience, and if and if I can help or guide someone that that is trying to do diverse work or work that challenges the norm or work that that is trying to ask questions, I'm I'm always gonna be there because I think we need to ask questions and and it's not about being right or knowing all the terminology for me anyway. It's about let's figure it all out together. Let's make some mistakes. The the the, the we need to be able to make those mistakes without being chastised. We need to be able to say the wrong thing and that's okay because otherwise how are we going to learn? How are we going to move forward? For Mike moving forward on his path will hopefully involve a little bit less time on the road. Uh, he was telling me last year he spent something like 250 days touring, mostly one or two night runs across North America. And so far getting a company to present anything longer has been nearly impossible in Canada. People, you know, for whatever reason, they're a bit more conservative in in um, what they're willing to program, uh, the more comic content that he brings. So he's finding a lot more interest in the US. If, if the theaters had opened their doors to me when I started doing these two-act shows in 2015, if they'd opened their doors and said, yeah, come on in, there's plenty of room, then I I don't think I would be working as hard as I am now. So, I mean, it's a, it goes either way. And I, so I'm, I'm glad to be doing what I do now, and I do more shows because of it, I spend more time on the road because of it. Uh, it would be nice to be in one city for a, a longer chunk of time, but, uh, but I like, I love what I do. I mean, I, I make a living as a funny person, but I think actors don't think I'm an actor, and I think comedians don't think I'm a comedian, because I do the other stuff as well. So I'm, I'm happy to stay in limbo and do whatever projects kind of spark my interest, which uh, I've built up enough of an audience base that they, I think they trust what I put out now, and I don't really haphazardly put things out. And it sounds like Mama's Boy won't actually be a one-off in terms of more personal and serious storytelling. Uh, Mike was telling me that he and his wife, Chantel, presented a new play last summer 
about their experience with infertility. And he's also thinking about actually a bit of a sequel to Mama's Boy. He called it Electric Boogaloo or something like that. But talking about the relationship he has with his much older brother, his brother is 24 years older. And um, through that lens of the, the week after his mom's passing and then having to come together and plan a funeral and sort through her estate and what that might look like as future personal work. My experience with him and with that week of two brothers who had very different experiences with the same woman. Because my brother came around when my, my mom got pregnant when she was 16. So she gave birth to him when she was 17. And I came along when she was 40. So it was very different. Like it was entirely different. She was a different woman. It was a different time. It was. Uh, so we both have loving and long experiences with essentially different women but it's the same woman and so that story has always ever since that week has always been fascinating to me so i feel like at some point that story will will hit on paper the mercedes is continuing to stretch innovate too uh, she's just finished co-writing a screenplay that's being shopped around la right now and she's written a new play sharing experiences from Mexican-Canadian artists actually from across the country that Puente is producing this fall. Plus she's just decided to learn how to sing too. So she's, uh, as always, got a lot going on. It goes, it goes back to, to learning. Like I think I'm very curious and I just know that I can be bigger, more expansive if I go and talk to another person. And now it's not only gonna be my point of view, but your point of view. And I'm gonna also be able to include that and learn from that and all, from all your life experience. And same with the next person and the next person and the next person. And the more places I visit or the more books that I read or the more movies or plays that I experience, the more music I, I, I the, you know, it's, it's the, the full breadth of what humanity has been able to accomplish. I mean, imagine how many lifetimes we would need to be able to experience it all, you know? So in my own puny little existence, how much can I pack in, you know, for, for, for like there's just enough, there's not enough time to experience all the beauty and, 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 and the horror and the pain and the, and the, you know, extravagance of what humankind has been able to, to produce. So yeah, both of these guys have work up at Spark. Obviously, innovation, you know, they've they've started their careers on one path and in some cases taken big left turns because of circumstance or because of opportunity and, and are bringing that new work to uh, to the Belfry. Great. I feel like the, we just had, like, artist therapy there. And, like, <laughs> hearing how, you know, people, how important it is in your job and in your life to challenge yourself and to grow and to go to uncomfortable places. And um, I find that so interesting and valuable and... I guess we often just see artists' finished work mm -hmm. and we don't think about all that behind the scenes, personal work, professional like skills development and how much it relates to your your personal life and who you are and it's so valuable to to get that look peek behind the curtains mm -hmm. too. It makes you appreciate the challenges more too, I think, that they face. So, yeah, yeah, cool interviews. Sure. Yeah, thanks, Melanie. Those, and uh, thanks to uh, Mike and Mercedes for taking the time to chat. And 
Looking forward to seeing their work at uh, Spark. So Mama's Boy opens. It kind of kicks off the festival, doesn't it? it does. Yeah. Friday, March 8th. And yeah. Two performances only on the main stage. And I think tickets are moving real quick. So. Mm-hmm. And when is uh, World Play? World Play, there'll be three pieces. Um, uh, Mercedes is directing one. I think Britt is directing another. Britt Small and, and um, another local director. And they're kind of interspersed across those two weeks. Great. Well, yeah, I'm looking forward to Spark. It's going to be good. Mm. Always uh, always interesting stuff happening. Uh, good mix of, like, new work and uh, lots of freebies. They're doing the kids, the family dance again. Did you oh, know yeah, that, Sarah? that was so What is fun. the family dance? <laughs> it's a hootenanny. Brooke Maxwell does his family dances. Um, and he does them every, every couple months at the Rainbow Kitchen in Esquimalt. And we've gone a bunch of times, and a lot of times it'll be like a who's who of local musicians. And he had said originally, "I have all these friends who are musicians, where they want we can't jam because they're all busy parenting." <laughs> so he puts on these dances, and they're great. Like everyone goes wild and um, just has a great time. But the last time they had the family one. It was really rowdy. Like, the kids went nuts. <laughs> and I forget what song they were all were yelling out one song they wanted Baby to hear. Shark. Oh, I bet it'll be Baby Shark this year. <laughs> it was something like that. It was even more, like, twee. Like, row, row, row your boat. Like, <laughs> band was like, like, you know the song! <laughs> sure. Where do they, like, is it on the main stage or are they in the main? It's in the Belfry lobby. In the lobby, okay. And there's balloons, a whole bunch of balloons, too. But... Yeah. Yeah, my kid was like panting and red and like <laughs> loving it. That's awesome. Yeah. I think that's this coming Sunday. Is it? I okay. believe. Yeah, yeah the 10th. It's, it's nice to see families included. See more and more of that. I definitely appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's great. So um, just wanted on kind of a newsier front, I just wanted, it's budget time. So mm-hmm. municipalities are putting forward their proposed financial plans and we can cut through the cherry trees here <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you think, an emergency you, you think that that was the only thing in We're the not budget policing the budget oh my god <laughs> yeah anyway uh, uh. um so i just took a quick look at the kind of the arts and culture section of the proposed financial plan for the city and um was curious about because we've talked about it a few times on the show the artists in residence programs the indigenous artists in residence and then i i guess we'll just call it the general artists in residence program and uh, i reached out to laurel collins um and jeremy loveday and they both confirmed that both of those programs will be continuing on an ongoing basis um which means that if future councils don't want to continue them, they're going to have to actually go in the budget and remove them. So that's great. Good. I think they've been really valuable mm-hmm. positions. Um, yeah, Lindsay Delaron's work as the Indigenous Artist in Residence. I didn't only got to see one of her pieces, but just knowing she was out there interacting with people, seeing sort of the feedback about it, I think it's been really valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looks like a, you know, a close to a... increase in arts and culture budget for the city, uh, which includes a 63% increase to the creation of public art. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, that's awesome. So yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty big deal. So that's great. Uh, I just thought I'd, thought I'd mention that. Um, Haven't taken a look at any of the other municipalities proposed budgets. Look at Saanich quickly. It looks like most of theirs focuses on libraries, Mm -hmm. arts and culture, um, which is good. 
Library is important. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Library programming, but I would like to see more public events, festivals, and speaking, you know, performances, things like that, just to draw people out from their screens and into the <laughs> streets or something. So, yeah, it would be nice. Um, it reminds me how um, there's a story today, I, f- I forget where it was, talking about how Victoria. Uh, doesn't have a big city mayor because we're not a big city Mm. even though we're in this massive group of municipalities and how if it were if we if we were sort of all together amalgamated how would that affect the arts Mm -hmm. Um, I think it would probably lead to good things so yeah I mean we'll see what happens with the Sandwich Victoria amalgamation question plodding forward yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, anyway, well, uh, so that's that. And then what's coming up in March, Beyond Spark, which mm-hmm. opens this weekend. What else have we got? Um, I was just looking at the um, at Open Space for the month of March. They have the Scalechuth, um, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, uh, Decolonization, Decolonizing the Arts um, Month with some interesting events all month at Open Space. One that looked pretty cool is called Wampum. Um, and that's an electronic musical performance by Elisa Harkins and taking um, music from the 1800s and sort of reimagining it. And um, wampum, I believe, are the, the sort of a peace treaty um, bead pieces. Which yeah, are really interesting. like uh, I have a book that I think they're like made, often made out of shells and, and yeah, things like that. Yeah, black and white yeah. kind of thing. Um, so that I mean, I, I'm sure the whole month of programming will be really interesting. So I'm hoping to check something out. Yeah, yeah. There's lots going on at uh, at Open Space throughout all of all of March. So that looks great. Um, and then we've got a show opening at Phoenix. Yep, Seven Stories by Morris Panich. Uh, Fred Gebhardt, I think, is directing it. And that opens on March 14th, and, and um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do with that production. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And uh, the uh, Murder on Paper Street continues at Craig Dare Castle, sold out all this weekend. Yes. You were going to try and go, eh? I was going to try and go, uh, and they were sold out last weekend and had like three tickets left for this weekend or something. Wow. So good for them. Very cool venue to be doing an egg oh, at yeah. the Christie murder mystery style piece. So I'm sad to have missed it. It's yeah. got all the right creepy vibes. Um, but uh, get, you know, amazing that they're bringing in those kind of audiences consistently with their you know very diverse mm. season. So, did you guys see the cat video festival? Oh, where's that? <laughs> I saw a poster for it's it, and I didn't yes, know it was in a the joke. big theater. No, it's like oh. so they it, it's happening on the well they and we're having one screening on like Friday the fifteenth. Sold out immediately, so they added wow. two more, <laughs> including an all ages one on the Saturday, like a kid friendly video. Is it all oh. cats reacting to cucumbers, or is there uh, like a bread? <laughs> yes, I think there's a, a bread world, of, cat internet world. Yes, the so best of yeah, cats. and it's a it's a fundraiser for um, animal rescue. Yeah, an animal oh, rescue. That is a great idea. Brilliant. Yeah, so um, so I may try and take my kid. I think it would be really fun. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's a little, yeah. little bit of a different vibe than the porn have festival. You taken, <laughs> have you taken her to a movie yet? No. Mm. Uh, the thing is, like, it'll be, like, short little movies, yeah. right? So I think, 
And if I take her to like the one that's a, a family friendly one, like I won't feel bad if I have to bail mm-hmm. because I probably will. Yeah. It's perfect for kids. Att- like as a first time movie going experience, that's got to be perfect. For yeah. Span. We took Nova to the IMAX for Great Bear Rainforest, which is really amazing film. Um, it has focus on the First Nations perspective and uh, environmental perspective, and it's a great storyline. With Deadpool narrating? Yeah, (laughs) it's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, and she was like, wow, amazing. So cool. What a, like amazing way to um, nurture a sense of environmental stewardship in, in yeah. kids and you know through through like the imagination of IMAX yeah. it's very cool yeah I'm not sure how much she got but she definitely thought it was pretty cool yeah plans to see it starts plans to see yeah I guess um, new Broken Rhythm show is opening March 15th uh, internal rhythms broken rhythms dance so that should be good I, they often their work is often really cool um, yeah and then uh I guess we'll mostly be busy with, with Spark coming up. So mm-hmm. when we get back back together next, we'll have a lot to chat about then. And uh, yeah, well, uh, is there anything else? I think that's it. Great. Well, Good chat. Yeah. It's weird not having John here. It's always <laughs> weird when one of us is missing. It's like, <laughs> it feels strange. Um, so thanks for listening. Once again, uh, we're on social media at Check the Program on tw- Facebook and Twitter. Check the program yyj at gmail.com is our email. Thanks to Mike Delamont and Mercedes batiz Vinay for chatting with us this week. And until next time, I'm Amanda Farrell-Lowe. I'm Sarah Pachescu. I'm Melanie Trump-Hoover. And don't forget to check, check the program. The program. program.